We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On today's episode of the Pirate Podcast, we have a special guest. We have from the Reed Option Podcast, Jordan Reed stops by to talk about the NFL Draft, all on episode 171 of the Pride Podcast. Yo, what is going on guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast episode 171 on the Blue Wire Network. I am your host Tyler, joined by my two guys as always, Malcolm Pierre. How you boys doing on this nice Tuesday evening? Woo! I'm good. I'm excited about today's guest. Yeah, we got a very special guest joining us from the Draft Network has... I'd say the most elite podcast name in podcast history, the Reed Option. And if you guys don't know who I'm talking about now, by that name, we got Jordan Reed on our podcast, man. How you doing today, Jordan? Good. It's a pleasure being here again. Thank you guys for having me. I always enjoy coming on. I appreciate that, Jordan. And Jordan, like I said, that's not me just, you know, boosting you up. You have the most elite podcast name I've ever heard. It just it rings so well. The Reed Option, your last name is Reed. It's just perfect. It's money. That is awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, you know, we mentioned he is from the Draft Network, so we're going to talk some NFL Draft. You know, the Senior Bowl just passed. I just came back from Mobile, Alabama, what was it, about two weeks ago, and we're here to talk some draft. So, Pierre, man, first question, what do we got? All right, so the first question is not only about the draft, but it's kind of like about the lines. What are your thoughts on Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell? Uh, so, I'm, I'm a person that really follows a lot of, as far as the inner workings and individuals inside of scouting departments very closely so i've known about brad holmes for quite a long time um me being an hbcu guy he's also an hbcu guy as well he went to north carolina ant which is just down the road that actually is the rival of the college that i attended so i've known for brad holmes for quite some time but he's a player that's really earned, or excuse me a player he's an individual that's really earned the spot that he's been in starting from basically a pr intern with the lions or excuse me with the rams and working his way all the way up 
to this point in his career. So kudos to him. He's really worked his butt off to get to where he uh, is at right now. But he's been involved with a lot of player development and then actually drafting a lot of players with the Rams. So um, he, he's done a really good job with what they've been able to assemble when he was in L.A. So I was a huge fan of him. It was just a matter of time until he got his opportunity to run his own show and actually got out of Les Snead's shadow. So I was a big fan of the hire now with Dan Campbell. I'm a little bit skeptical with that just because I don't really know what he's going to do as far as on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And I was hoping they signed as far as a schematic guy, a little bit more uh, hands-on type of coach um, as far as from an offensive standpoint, uh, especially with them welcoming in a new quarterback, which we now know is Jared Goff. And we'll see what happens with the number seven overall pick. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, I always like to keep my, uh, my thoughts open with new coaches just because I don't like judging guys based off of a, a press conference or anything like that just because as you saw with yeah. Sirianni and Dan Campbell there's going to be so many different varieties of guys um, that quote-unquote win the press conference so I would just like to keep my thoughts open about guys so we'll see what happens with Dan Campbell okay I was gonna say I know Dan Campbell's gonna do one thing and that's buying some kneecaps yeah he's a tight end so we know that they're going to run the football we know that i know that for sure yeah you mentioned jared goff obviously the lions just traded for him he was in that big blockbuster deal for matthew stafford um you know lions got two first round picks a third round pick and then also getting jared goff in this deal so you know now you're looking at the line situation jared goff still a young quarterback but you know still some unproven. Is he a franchise quarterback? Is he a bridge guy? I mean, did the Lions just take Jared Goff because they got extra first round picks? So, what's your overall views on Jared Goff? Where do you view him as? Do you view him more as a, a bridge guy just here for now? Or do you view him maybe this guy could potentially have a, a career turning, you know, in Detroit like Grant Tannehill had in Tennessee? What do you view of Jared Goff? Well, I think he's a middle of the road starter, honestly, even though he hasn't been very good the past few years. The thing that's always been out there about Goff is that McVay really did everything for him. And McVay just felt like he had bumped his head on the ceiling of what he could be, and he just needed a little bit more. And that's why he ended up trading for Stafford. But I think the thing that's really going to hurt Goff is being away from McVay. Um, I don't think he's really a great mix in Anthony Lynn's scheme as far as what he wants to do with that. And the one thing I will say, and this is why I think that the Lions won't go quarterback at seven, just because – Brad Holmes was involved with taking Jared Goff when he was the number one overall pick. So I think he's going to give him ample amounts of opportunities to prove that he can be the guy just because what happens with these these executives that were involved with these picks and if they were if they had a hand in selecting that guy, they're going to give them as many opportunities as possible to prove that they can still play in the league just because they want to show that they were right about this guy. And I think that's what Holmes wants to prove. So that would be my one area of why I'm a little bit hesitant of why the Lions may not go um, quarterback at number seven. I think they may look to surround Goff with some more weapons just to show that he can be that guy. So that would be one thing that I do say about Jared Goff. He's going to need much more help. We'll see what happens with Galladay and Marvin Jones. Um, Even if they do bring either one of those guys or any one of those guys back, I think they would be wise to bring both of them back. I think Galladay probably is the one that is likely to be back more between the two. But we'll see what does happen with that. They have some work to do. And I'm really glad they signed Dan Campbell to a six-year deal, both of them to a six-year deal, just because it shows a different type of commitment and that they're in it for the long haul. I believe that Brad Holmes was a five-year deal, but, yeah, Dan Campbell was six. Um, So you said for Brad Holmes, which makes a lot of sense. He pushed the table for Jared Goff, but 
let's say Jordan Reed, you're the general manager here. You have to play around with Jared Goff. Is this a guy you think you could build the franchise around, or is this a guy he's here for a year or two, and then I'm drafting my next franchise quarterback because I don't, I'm not, you know, confident in him. Or where, where's your head at with him? Well, if I was a GM, the one thing that I always do, and I said I would never make this mistake if I was ever to become a GM, is that whenever you get a top 10 selection and you're not solidified at quarterback, I think you have to take one. Now, I will say this. I'm always a fan of building up the team first and then dropping the quarterback in as opposed to drafting the quarterback and then you're searching trying to build the team around them and then you end up in a situation like the New York Jets if you have no clue what that guy is and he's on his fourth mm. or fifth year and then it comes into paying them you have no clue if you need to pay sam Darnold, if i need to pay trade lance or whoever they take at the number seven overall pick if that's making sense okay yeah, yeah that makes a lot of um, sense is there a big chance for the detroit lions to move up to possibly grab a quarterback i know you say you want to take one at seven but is there a guy like detroit must grab you know that that that, that quarterback maybe at number two I would. I don't think so, just because I just don't think they're in a situation to do that right now. I think Detroit is in a situation of they're in the rebuild for a long haul, in my opinion. I think they're in a situation of where they really need to just collect assets right now just because, mm. I mean, you guys know it. They're not going to be very competitive next year, let's right. just be honest, especially yeah, with the division <laughs> that they're in right now. I mean, there's no reason for them to trade up for a quarterback right now. So let's say they even draft a guy like a Trey Lance or – if a Justin Fields somehow falls to them at seven, I just don't see either one of them having a whole bunch of success considering what's around them presently. So it would be smart for Holmes to build up the defense, which they need massive help at, um, at mo- in multiple places. I think Akuda is going to be better next year just because of the scheme that they're going to run. I think Aaron Glenn right. is going to do wonders for him. So I think you need to build up that defense and then possibly uh, add some weapons on offense before you even think about dropping the quarterback into the situation that they're currently in right now just because I keep harping on it. That's what that's the mistake that the Jets made with Sam Darnold. And I don't think the Lions should do that. And I think Brad Holmes is a really smart guy. He knows exactly what he's working with and he knows that this is a long term rebuild. Now uh Jordan though I am gonna play like little devil's advocate. So there's these four quarterbacks that are projected to go in the top ten. You named them. Now like what if those quarterbacks don't come around again, right? Like what if next year's class is not as good as this year's class? And you're at number seven. What if you don't have like as high of a pick. So do you still think they they should ignore quarterback? Do you still think they'd ignore quarterback? Uh, I mean, we say that every year, honestly. And then there's a guy that comes out of nowhere, like a Zach Wilson or a Joe Burrow. And I'm sure it's going to happen again next year. And everybody, right. it's already out there. I haven't studied any of the guys from the 2022 class, but there's already whispers out there that it's a down class. And it seems like we say that every year. And I know we didn't say that about this class because Lawrence and Fields was in it. But, you know, just looking ahead, like uh, Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler and all these guys, I don't know anything about them as far as from a film perspective, but there's going to be somebody that comes out of nowhere. And, I mean, let's just be honest. The odds are likely that the Lions are going to have a top 12 pick next year, even possibly higher. Um, right. So they're going to be in a position to get the player that they want, and they already have collected these assets already. They're going to have multiple first-round picks for the next few years. So even if they want to trade up, if they're sitting at, let's say, 10 or 11 or 12 next year, they're going to have the ammo to move up if they want to. Yeah, I think it, I think it's just you hilarious because we were just talking about this right before the show. I'm like, yeah. there's always a dude that pops up out of nowhere. He's like, this quarterback class is a week next year. I'm like, dude, there's going to be somebody. There's always somebody. <laughs> One more um, about the quarterbacks. So you mentioned that, you know, the line's got all this ammo now, and, you know, you might not 
necessarily trade for a guy that, that hasn't ex- experienced in the league yet as far as a rookie quarterback. But we had this debate a couple episodes ago, and this is about Deshaun Watson. This is just for fun because he would have to waive the no-trade clause. But the Lions now have collected all these draft, all this draft capital, and they have all this ammo to make a move in hindsight to trade for Deshaun Watson if he were somehow to accept this no-trade clause. So now you know what you're getting, Deshaun Watson. So if you're the Lions... And Deshaun Watson is interested in playing for the Detroit Lions. Do the Detroit Lions, tr- you know, mortgage the future for a guy like Watson? I wouldn't. Uh, I love Deshaun Watson. I think he's a top five quarterback in the right. NFL. I just don't see how his situation in Houston currently is different in Detroit right now, in my honest opinion. The offensive line would be better, but outside of that, I just don't see how his situation would be different. Uh, I think the win totals probably would hover around the same thing. Honestly, I just I just don't see Deshaun Watson getting the Lions over the hump right now. I don't think he takes you. Um, I would say the Lions right now are probably a five to six win team if we're just talking about the roster right now. That's um, that's nice. That, next that, year, that's nice. That's, yeah, that's, and that's being that's probably that's being, being generous. generous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> based on what they have on paper right now, I just don't see how it's a situation of where he gets you to you know even seven or eight wins, considering how special he is. Okay. Right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, so the Lions, we're speaking of defense. The Lions need like a penetrating defensive tackle. They haven't really had one since Sue left. Um, who are some names to watch in this year's draft class? Like first rounders, second rounders, whatever. Yeah, there's quite a few, and I'm glad you guys mentioned that. The Lions had one of the worst run defenses in the league last year. I think they gave up um, – I was reading a stat last night. They gave up 27 oh, touchdowns oh, last year, which was man. the highest number in oh, the NFL. God. So defensive tackle is definitely an area that they oh, need to God. address. But luckily for them, there's a lot of talented interior guys in this class. Um, Levi Onwunzarinke from Washington oh. is one that was down at the Senior Bowl that had a really good first day before he went out with the hip flexor, I believe it was. But you want those early-round guys to stand out, especially early on, and he definitely did that. I think he's one guy that definitely could interest him, uh, maybe in the second round. Christian Barmore from Alabama is another I love one Barmore. Um, that had a really nice run down the back stretch of the year. I think he was one of the more impressive defensive players in the country. And, I mean, there's another one at Iowa, Davion Nixon. That's probably more of a second-round guy if you're looking for a more explosive up-the-field type of guy. Now, he's not going to give you a whole bunch against the run. That's just not his game. He's not a guy not, that's going to really hold down gaps 
and hold down at the point of attack. He's just not really strong at the point of attack, but he's more of your penetrate and get up the field type of pass rusher. But he's he has some really nice developmental qualities. And then a Jay Tufele, who opted out prior to the season from USC, is another one that a lot of people have forgotten about that I think is probably going to end up being a top 75 pick as well. Okay. Okay. Now let's go on to the edge position because – we mentioned it. We need every position on the defense, and we're just going to go position by position. Now on the edge, who are some guys that we should be looking for at the edge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like the Lions need a lot of help along the defensive front. They have a lot of work to do on defense, man. I've tweeted yeah, this point sure in time. They just, they just need some team speed, man. And that and that's what happened with this Patricia scheme. He just didn't value speed a whole bunch, especially along the defensive line. So, um, I would love to see a guy like a Joseph Asai from Texas who plays his motor is just outstanding. I think he would be a really good fit on the Aaron, Aaron Glenn scheme. Um, if they want to trade back from seven, maybe into the teens, I think somebody like Aziz Ojolari from Georgia would be another guy that would fit really good in this scheme. I'm a big fan of him. I think he's one of the better edge rushers in this class. He has a lot of promise, but if they're looking for uh, a guy on day two, I think Patrick Jones, the second from Pittsburgh, could be another one that could be intriguing as well. And then there's plenty of others. Um, just some names off the top of my head. Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma is another name I think is going to end up going in the top 100 somewhere. I think he could be a productive pro as well. Okay. Nice. And I like, before I get to this question, I just want to first give a shout-out to, to you, Jordan, because um, last time we had you on, um, you put us on Chase Claypool. You know, I remember you was like, yo, you got to look mm-hmm. at this guy, Chase Claypool. Um, he's going to be nice. And, you know, you caught my eye. You know, these two didn't really believe in him. But, um, yeah, you, you put us on Chase Claypool. Now, um, outside of the top four, you know, big the big wide receivers that everybody knows of, um, who are some wide receivers that line could target at day two or day three that could be big like like like, like a Claypool or something? So, a couple of my favorites. Um, one was actually down at the Senior Bowl, Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State. Oh, I think he's one that right. definitely would be. A really nice fit for them on day two. He's not a burner or anything of that nature, but as far as just understanding how to get open, he he knows how to do that. And I was really happy to see him outside of that Oklahoma State scheme just because they only allowed him to play on the right side of the football field. At the Senior Bowl, he was able to just show off a lot of the versatility that he had that he wasn't able to show in that scheme, and I thought he played really well. But one of my favorite wide receivers in this class overall is De'Ami Brown from North Carolina. He's one that I like a lot. He has some things that he has to clean up as far as his catch consistency. But he reminds me a little bit of Stefan Diggs coming out. I know that's very high praise mm, for okay. him. But as far as just his twitch, um, I don't think he has the potential that Diggs has. But just as far as the skill set and then some qualities that he reminds me of, he definitely – I see a lot of Diggs qualities in him. So those will be some of my favorite uh, guys on day two. Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan, you heard plenty about him at the senior bowl as well. A bit of an older prospect could be a 24-year-old rookie, but just as far as some of the qualities that he brings to the table, I think he's going to be an instant hit as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, Dwayne Eskridge has got some big-time hype after that senior bowl. I mean, I've even heard, I don't think it's going to happen, but I've heard even first on discussion. I think that's very rich for him, but Ooh. yeah, very impressive week yeah, for him in Mobile. Um, we talked about McShay just talks sometimes, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He we gets uh, excited and just starts talking. Yeah, we, talk, we talked about this guy last year, and he didn't end up going to the draft, and now he's in this draft, and he had a very good week in Mobile as well. Nico Collins. So last year we were saying maybe this guy could be a day two pick, and right now, I, I mean, we didn't know what to expect before Mobile, but for me, I I thought he personally looks like a day two pick now, and 
someone who should be in the round two discussion now, Nico Collins. What about you? Yeah, he, he just has to find the right role. And the thing about Nico is that don't ask him to run east and west. Let him run north and south. That's all you want him to do just because he's a bit stiff in his lower half. You don't want him changing directions or anything of that nature. As far as a route runner, he's never going to be one of those detailed guys. But if you ask him to run vertical and win above the rim, he definitely can do that. He's going to dominate in the red zone as well. I think he's going to be one of the better uh, red zone receivers once he enters the league it's from a rookie standpoint as far as this group. He's going to be one of the better red zone threats. So, yeah, I like Nico, I think, in the third or fourth round. I think that's probably a fair range of where he ended up going. I wish we could have seen him run at the combine. Obviously, we're not going to get a combine this year, but I would have liked to see some testing numbers on him for sure. Yeah. So is he kind of like a Kenny Galladay, like his skill set? Kind of like Kenny doesn't really run that. Now it's more kind of like a north and south guy. He's not as loose as Galladay as far as like in the air. Kenny can kind of like contort his body and, put his body yeah. in some awkward positions to yeah. make those catches. Nico really isn't that. He just kind of like go up and just snatch the ball out of the air. That's more of his type. All right. Um, so Tracy Walker didn't really have a good year last year, but a lot of people think he was playing out of position. Um, so who are some uh, some safeties that could complement Tracy Walker while in this draft class? Yeah, and this is one group that I've kind of struggled with a bit just because there hasn't been that one guy that has just jumped ahead of everybody. It just really depends on what type of flavor you want with this safety class. There's some that can play on the roof. There's some that's better at strong safety, and there's some that's just good in nickel rolls. Javon Holland from Oregon is one that's more of your slot safety type of role. He can play some nickel corner as well. You don't really want him on the roof. That's really not a skill set. He's just not loose enough to play on the roof. But a couple guys I think that what I like to call are all of, all of the above players that can do everything on the back end, Trayvon Morig from TCU, if there is one safety that I think could go in the first round, I definitely think he is one. He's probably my favorite of the group. And then Richie Grant uh, from US, UCF, he's one that had a great, or excuse me, a great senior bowl. He really was able to help himself down there. So those will be two guys that I think are ahead of everybody in the class right now, and then Grant and Morig. Um, I have a question. So the kid out of USC, I can't really pronounce his name that well. Um... Is it loading up on Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts? I really like him, like, kind of like in the third, fourth round ish. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I like him a lot. And he's one of those guys that can really play all over the place. They played him primarily at strong safety yeah. for the most part, but I think he can play on the roof a little bit. He has those loose hips, really good in coverage, but he's a defendable tackler as well. So, yeah, I think you're spot on with that as far as in the third or fourth round. It wouldn't surprise me if he goes even earlier with that, especially with how kind of poor the safety group is overall. Yeah. So, Jordan, we've been mentioning the Senior Bowl a lot this in this episode so far, and you mentioned it, no combine this year. There was very limited bowl games, no East Shrine Bowl game this year. So how important were those limited bowl games this year? I know the Senior Bowl obviously had one. What were the other ones? The, the one in Hawaii, I believe, had one. The CGS yeah. had one. And that's the only one I can think of on the top of my head. How important, how more important were those games this year with no combine? Well, they're huge just because that's really the first time that scouts and executives really got to see these guys on the football field just because the area scouts weren't able to get out and even go into schools. And they do a lot, a lot of their homework as far as asking everybody around the facility what was their opinion of them. And then also they're able to see them out at practice, just seeing the type of players they are, what their body types look like, and then how they move around on the field. So the Senior Bowl is absolutely huge for them. Not only were they able to see them on the field, but – you're able to get those private interviews and meetings with them as well for about 15 to 20 minutes, which is what they usually do 
at the combine. But of course, like you guys said, we weren't able to get a combine this year. So it essentially is like speed dating with these guys. This really is your first time to meet them. So it was absolutely huge. And it's really the last piece of information that they're really able to get on a lot of these guys as well. So, so I know this is pretty bold, but like, do you think there's a chance? Like, I don't, I don't think this is gonna happen. But is there a chance that potentially all these guys that were at the Senior Bowl end up getting drafted because of how many limited resources we had this year, especially from the drafting, you know, standpoint for all these scouts and stuff? Yeah, I think so. Just because there's gonna be a lot of teams, especially when you're drafting early on, you just want to hit doubles. And what I mean by doubles is that you just really want to get on base with a lot of these guys. You know, you're not gonna swing and miss. Uh, with a lot of these small school guys or people that you don't really have a lot of information on. But seeing these guys at, at the Senior Bowl, being able to sit down and talk to them if they had red flags, you're able to talk to them about that. And uh, there was a lot of guys that really weren't afforded those type of opportunities. So it wouldn't surprise me, like you said, if every single person at the Senior Bowl ends up getting drafted just because these teams want to hit doubles, just because they were able to meet them and see them play in person. Yeah, because I, I, I was listening to a Matt Rule press conference at the Senior Bowl, and he was like, you know, there was a very impressive prospect last year at the Combine, but mm-hmm. I, I met him in a hotel or something, or it was like an elevator at the Combine, and he's like, he, he turned me off, like, the way he talked. I don't know what it exactly was. He didn't say who it was. But, you know, those personal interactions are going to be huge this year. So, yeah, I think there's actually a legitimate chance that, if not all these guys, at least most of these guys will end up being drafted this year from who played in the Senior Bowl. So, yeah, something to watch out for this year, obviously, in this draft. So uh, going on to linebackers now, uh, Lions, yeah. We know, every we're, position. We're, we're going through every position right now. The, the yeah. linebackers are pretty rough right now in Detroit. So who are some linebackers we should watch out for? And it's going to be interesting because we don't know exactly what type of scheme Detroit's going to be running this year. Yeah, I think this is the one area where they need to improve the most, honestly, just because I just don't think they have a good linebacker at all on the roster. They've been so poor <laughs> at drafting at the position just because they get those two-down run steppers or guys that just aren't able to process things quickly yeah. enough. And they just need some speed at the position. They don't have right. any speed at the position at all. I can't – I think it was like the Thanksgiving Day game of where their linebackers just got ran around so easy from wheel routes to option routes to everything. They were just running circles around right. the linebackers. So they just need some guys that can run and cover and attack and just being able to process – everything out in space and also in the box. So a guy like Jabril Cox from LSU, I think he would be a fantastic addition for them just because he checks every single box that you love to see at the linebacker position. He's a big guy, about 6'3", 235 pounds, very physical at the point of attack. And then he has the frame that you're looking for, and he's fantastic in coverage as well. Um, Nick Bolton from Missouri, he's another guy, a bit of a shorter linebacker, but I think he's that spark plug in the middle if you're looking for a mic. Uh, that processes things really well. Um, if they're looking for more of a, a wheel linebacker, I think Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa could be a really good addition for them from a cover, cover standpoint. But I think one player that is really underrated right now, in my opinion, that's going to be a steal for somebody on day two, and is Baron Browning from Ohio State. Very athletic linebacker that's very smart, a lot of instincts. Go back and watch him in, in the uh, college football playoffs. He was all over the field in national championship. As well, he played really well in that game. He was one bright spot for Ohio State that day. So there's plenty of athletic linebackers in this group. Chasserat is another one from North Carolina, one that athletic mode I think could serve to improve. They just need to get some athleticism, not only on the second level, but the defense overall. So regarding Jabril Cox and Chaz uh, Surratt, is it? Surratt? Surratt. Surratt, yeah. Uh, where exactly are these guys predicted to go? I've seen like second round, third round, fourth round. Um 
Where are these guys projected to go in the draft? I think Cox will probably end up going somewhere in the top 60 uh, just because I think he's a little bit more of a natural at the position than what Surratt is right now. And, I mean, that's understandable. Surratt was a quarterback three years ago. So um, it's understandable why he's more of a natural at the position. Surratt has some instinctual things that he needs to clean up as far as just seeing and attacking plays. Uh, He's not really good right now as far as detaching from climbing offensive linemen. I think that's something else that he needs to improve upon a little bit as well. But I think he's going to go in the top 100 somewhere. I think he'll definitely go uh, in the third round. I think that's probably a fair range for him. But I'd be really surprised if Cox gets out of the second round. I think he's a player that's yeah. really going to shoot up blue, shoot up boards. And if we had a combine, it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up going like in the top 45 or top 50. I think he's that good of a player. He had a good senior bowl too. And Absolutely. I- Love his story as well. He was believed from North Dakota State as well with yeah. Trey Lance, and and then he went to LSU. You could even tell he made an adjustment from D two to D one. So I right. love his story as well. Absolutely. Oh, um, I, one more question. Sorry, oh uh, Cameron McGrone, local kid. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, he kind of he kind of struggled last year, and I mean a lot of people did on that defense, and there was some big expectations for him last year but i don't think he really lived up to it but he has those athletic qualities that you love to see in the position he just has some things that he needs to clean up and i was really surprised that he declared honestly i would like to see him improve a little bit more Uh, but he was only a redshirt sophomore last year so he was a really young player but i think he's going to have some things he's going to be really challenging for him early on he's one of those smaller linebackers as well so he's going to have some struggles as far as run support, but if you have some big guys in front of him that can eat up gaps to help him roam free and remain yeah. free from those climbing offensive linemen, I think it'll be fine, but it's just a matter of him learning how to detach a little bit from those climbing offensive linemen. I actually have a linebacker that I, that I just want to know about um, because he's a really big linebacker. He's actually a six seven linebacker, um, Charles Snowden yeah. from Virginia. What's your thoughts on him? I haven't seen much on him. I just know he's big as hell. Yeah, he's built like an NBA power forward. That's what I heard about. And the, sky the thing the thing that just really worries me about Snowden is that I don't know where to play him. You you really don't see linebackers that big uh, exactly. across the board, whether it's a Sam, Mike, or a Will. And then he just he's not uh, physical enough to put him on the edge. But he'll be fine as a pass rusher. You just worry about him as a run defender. He's not going to give you anything as far as setting the edge and uh, being able to remain, remain physical as far as setting the edge either. So uh, that's my biggest worry uh, with him. I just don't know exactly where to play him just because I don't think he can be an edge. And then he's so long, it's just hard for him to play any of the three linebacker spots. Got you, got you, got you. So do you see him, like, going day, day, like being drafted or day three? Yeah, yeah, he'll be drafted. I think day three. Uh, okay. I think early day three is where he'll probably go. But he's just one of those guys you have to have a plan. For him, uh, me personally, if I was a GM, I would let somebody else draft him just because I just don't know. I just don't know where to play him. That's my biggest gotcha. worry with him. And he's not a super physical player either, which worries me about him. Yeah, that's true. You already mentioned some sleepers, but is there any other sleepers in this upcoming draft class? Uh, what position? What position you guys? Just, just like in general, like last in general. year you brung up like Jeremy Chin. You bring up some other guys who are like some guys this year that could like that are some sleepers. Stars. Yeah. So Stars. um I tweeted about one today. His name is Greg Newsom the second. He's a corner from Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Um he's a player that I really like. Uh Lance, me and Lance Zerline were talking about this and he ended up putting him in his mock draft to the Chiefs at, with 32nd pick in the first round. So he kind of spoiled mm-hmm. that. 
for me, he's a player that I like a lot. He actually gave up the least amount of yards in the country last year, and he played in the first half against Ohio State uh, in the Big Ten championship game. He ended up getting hurt at the end of the half, and the game completely changed when he went out. But he didn't give up a catch at all in that game. He was fantastic. But I think he's a, he's a player that's probably going to end up going to the top 50 somewhere. That would not surprise me at all. So Greg Newsom the second definitely is one uh, that I'm a huge fan of. Um, and there's plenty of others in this draft class that I could talk about. Um, there's a receiver that I like a lot. Um, his name is escaping me. Marlon Williams from UCF, Central Florida. Um, I talked a lot about Gabe Davis last year coming out of Central Florida. Central Florida has really produced some nice receivers over the past few years. I think Marlon Williams is one guy that definitely is going to shoot up boards here uh, in the coming uh, weeks or so. And then also Jalen Darden. He's a wide receiver from North Texas. He's one of my favorite players as far as a late round perspective in this draft. Go back and uh, go just go watch him on YouTube. <laughs> Your mouth is probably going to be on the floor after you watch that. Dude, <laughs> man. He, he's he's so special. He's so much fun to watch. So Jalen Darden, I think he's going to be a steal for somebody on day three. Okay. Sweet. And Jordan, just for fun, you know, we're, I guess, potentially in the QB market in the draft. So what's your top five QBs ranked? Because this is, you know, some controversy right here. Um, right now it would be Lawrence Wilson, Fields, Lance, and then Mac Jones. That would be my top five guys right now. But after that sixth spot, there's a huge drop off at the contrast. And I don't know what to think of Jamie Newman and Kellen Mond right now. But if I was to take somebody on day three, they would be the headliners right now. But after that, I mean, there's a huge drop off. So I don't really know what to expect out of the top six guys or what's going to happen in the draft, even after those top six. All right. Okay. Mm. Pretty, pretty good. All right, guys. Hope you guys all enjoyed this episode with Jordan Reed. Jordan, where could they find you? I mean, if they're not following you on Twitter, I don't know what the hell they're doing. So, where could they find you on Twitter? Where could they find your podcast? I already said it's the most elite name. So, um, where, where could they find you at? I appreciate it. Um, you can find my work at thedraftnetwork.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Reed. That's J-O-R-D-A-N underscore R-E-I-D. Uh, I'm actually working on a story right now. I'm excited to release. Uh, it's going to release next Friday. I'm uh, I'm interviewing Patrick Sertain Sr. and Patrick okay. Sertain II. So I'm talking to both of them um, this week, and then I'll have that story out next Friday. So that's a sneak peek for you guys. I haven't put that out there. So I'm talking to those guys this week. So I'm excited about that, spending some time with them. All right, Jordan, again, thank you so much. And hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. And I'm out, guys. Peace. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you guys for having me. Yep. All right. Thanks, Jordan, man. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.